my focus was how can we bring this to customers and how can we make this useful and how how can we make people want this you're going to work for some other company with some other product so the first thing you need to to look at is how can partnering up with others make us earn more money i think today is storytelling about um good successful api programs i see on the market would potentially be even more important um so that the board would see uh, a good example of a customer uh, of a company welcome everyone to this episode of the api resilience podcast we're very happy today to have Sophie Rutard. Uh, she's the head of API at uh, Euler Hermes. And I'm really bad with, uh, with French accent, so I butchered your name, Sophie, and I beg your uh, apology. You can uh, look at the corporate website at www.eulerhermes.com. That's E-U-L-E-R-H-E-R-M-E-S.com. And check out their developer portal at developers.com. EulerHermes.com. So very, uh, very warm welcome to you, Sophie. And, uh, and Christoph, it's good to be talking to you again. Thanks for having me. Very happy to have you uh, on the podcast. I think I, I want to hear more of the story. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I love to be able to do it in a format that we can immediately also share it with, uh, with the other people in our community. Um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. And so do I. <laughs> Me too. Uh, in, in our uh, pre-conversation, it, it seemed that you had uh, a lot of very interesting things to talk about. We've got um, a lot of people right now who are trying to decide how to handle kind of the economic problems that result from a slowing economy from uh, coronavirus. And some people are trying to decide Uh, do they invest in their API program? Do they postpone it? And uh, from from our point of view, it's uh, it's definitely a time to invest because uh, uh, people are digital transformation is underway in all industries, yeah. and uh, we're trying to help people along that road. But particularly right now, because of the benefits of uh, Uh, an API program, we think this is definitely a time to invest because people aren't traveling. There's not the opportunities for as much face-to-face -face interaction that normally accompanies connecting businesses. And uh, well, that's uh, that's kind of what we're we're starting with. And I'd love to hear, you know, what your take is on uh, the that that topic from uh, from your experience at uh, Euler Hermes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as I say, it, Corona is is quite a significant impact, and of course, it's it's a very, very drastic impact on the economy and on on many companies. And we, as credit insurers, and it's yeah. our core business to to monitor these impacts and also mitigate with our product uh, as much as we can. Now, if you if you say Or if you ask the question, is this a time to invest or should we, should we be cautious instead? Well, I tend to think, uh, yes, it is a time to invest in digitalization because it shows that in, in this 
very new and very special situation. Actually, only the digital products really do work out. And and for me, APIs is, is not a very, it's not a dedicated thing, but it's the core of digitalization. And that means, yes, you need to invest in them um, because they give you the flexibility then to, to promote your products in a digital way uh, on various platforms if you need so. Uh, you can combine them into new products, new services. Uh, that gives you really the agility and flexibility that you would want to have in this kind of uh, situation. So the best time to invest in APIs was before Corona. Um, the second best time to invest in APIs is 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 now. Yeah, <laughs> correct. You you said something really interesting about, and I hadn't realized, I hadn't thought about this, but the the financial industry was one of those industries that was really notorious about paper trails and good old paperwork and doing all the contracts, you know, coming together, signing together, all that stuff, and. And I didn't realize, but yeah, this is this is a big change. Like you can't just ask the insurance agent to come and check out what happened because they're not supposed to enter your home. And so like this digitization is, is actually probably happening very fast now in, in, in your industry. Yes, I think there's still uh, some kind of a prejudice of insurance being a paper-driven industry. <laughs> and uh, I can reassure you that even uh, much before uh, Corona, uh, we invested heavily and all the Alliance Group invested heavily in, in digitizing the products we have because it's, it's also much more convenient for the customer to be able to easily look at the products on a website, choose the components that you need and eventually... Uh, sign it in a digital way. Um, but it's true that uh, we see that we had some remaining products that were still in the classic way of having a paper-based contract and people would sign them in a face-to-face -face meeting. And this is not possible today. And so um, we had to very quickly convert those processes and as a first step, at least move to PDF documents with electronic signature to facilitate uh, the sales process. And then the next step is, of course, embedding that in a fully digital workflow on a dedicated application or a sales portal, or something more convenient than just yeah having the same type of document, but just in a PDF form. Yes, so it's... Um... It, it's like I, I noticed this myself, like I, I had a few dealings with, with my bank and where normally you would always have to go and sign stuff in paper. And suddenly they were accepting that you would like do a, a copy and just scan it. So there, there was there was there was not the digital signature yet, but but at least there was. Yeah, it, it was a forcing factor. And um there was somebody on, a, on one of our previous episodes, I think, Mark, who said that I think it was Z who talked about the insurance company in, in Czechia um, that where you could like take a picture and send your claim. And, right. and that was just pure, purely digital. 
you know, no, nobody even comes to check your car anymore. Like you have a, an accident with your car to just take a picture and send it over. And, um, and that was like a significant change, at least as far, as far as I've seen. Um, so it's, it's interesting. But you, you touched on something. Actually, I do yeah. think we have that in Allianz as well. I, I haven't seen it yet uh-huh. because I don't have a claim to, <laughs> to register currently on my car. Lucky. Uh, but um, I think we, we did exactly that. So it makes things so much more smooth for the customer and for everybody. So yeah. really quite a confidence. Yes, yes, definitely. And so and this touches on something because Euler Hermes is a brand that stands on its own, but it has become part of the Alliance group quite a while now. And so it's, it's interesting because you've, you've gone through that whole journey and you've seen, you've been the advocate of the API program at Euler Hermes and then seen uh, through the acquisition and like, and it's this whole process. So I'd love to pick your brain a bit on, on like how that story went and like what, what you've seen, the differences between before the acquisition and after the acquisition, how did that affect the, the API program or, or what, what have you, uh, are there any interesting stories to tell there? Um, well, I actually joined Euler Hermes like almost 70 years ago. And that was basically just after the merger between Euler and Hermes, which were entities that Allianz had purchased earlier with a majority. And um, they they happened to have us 100% um, integrated um, last year. So, so the changes I, I perceived were more or less natural over my career I spent with this company so far. I would say that the most significant um, milestone was 2012. And because when we started all this, um, 2007, actually, the API, we called it now API, at the time we said web services, it was the base and so um, we started in 2007 just exposing what we had internally as an IT service, and it wasn't very successful because it wasn't really well designed, there was no, no good support, and, and people didn't understand it, so it was progressing very slowly. So then when I got the chance to, to redevelop the strategy in 2011 and build a support team and redesign the APIs in 2012, that was a, a major step for us ahead to make this a, a real product, a real service, and that we could sell on a global scale. And uh, especially our biggest customers um, joined in and they were then very happy with the service. And then the next milestone, I would say, was like 2017-ish, when we um, saw that REST was actually much easier to, to understand for, for an API consumer. The way we understood that we had to do a transformation of our technology. And um, at the same time, we had also a change of CIO who was very experienced in, in REST API strategy and um, this unblocked, let's say, uh, change in the IT strategy to design, to to define that we do everything API first uh, and every API that we do would be designed for an external use, even if we don't plan to give it out externally. 
And that meant that we created an API governance team. So I, I transformed it for my team to become an API governance team. And um, we also had to federate the API building capability from one small team who centralized it before and multiple smaller or bigger teams would do it now. Um, so that's how we evolved. And um, in parallel, I see now more and more what our friends from other Allianz OEs do. Uh, they're also heavily investing in building APIs, exposing them on the developer portal, um, and creating new business models based on these APIs because they facilitate this partnering up with others, be it platforms, be it brokers, be it specialized customers. All this is, is really continuously growing and uh, becoming a very, very important um, aspect of our business. So it's got to be easier to develop an API program at an organization with a CIO who already believes in APIs and API first. Can you talk a little bit about the value in uh, the API program that you see at, at Euler Hermes? And, you know, how support is given is, is you know, the business supports these uh, efforts because they see the value. Mm -hmm. What are those values? Well, that's something that um, has also very much evolved. When I look back into 2012, um, I had built a business case. Um, it was a quite heavy exercise to, to build it because we, we, we tried to calculate the business value that we create in, in figures, in euros. And so we tried to measure the, the positive impact on customer retention or the increased uh, probability of some customer to, to chase with us because our competition didn't have it. Um, we, we calculated the operational gains in efficiency due to the fact that you don't have to rework the data because it's just exchanged and all that. And, and we, we managed to create a, a business case that was an actual mathematical financial business case and everything. And I, I had to do this to bring it through the board and get the, the funding that I needed to create this team and this service. Um, and then my, my challenge was over all the time from 2012 on to continuously prove that, to continuously prove to the business that this was something useful for the customer, for the, for the company, and not just some IT gadget. Could you see um, examples that, uh, that that proved that out? Oh yes, um, we tracked, um, for example, the number of uh, major customers who created new business with us because it was a prerequisite that we had an API, and, and these were quite substantial um, customers worldwide companies um, with quite significant uh, insurance premium that they would pay us then. Um, and also we measured the, the, we compared the retention ratio between customers being equipped with SmartLink or, or API and 
regular customers, and there was a difference that we could prove by this, uh, which was nice. But nowadays, um, I see that this is not so much um, requested anymore uh, because the board now, every board member knows what an API is. Every board member knows the importance of being able to, to partner up with other companies. It's the technology we use. Um, there's a lot of um, business initiatives also working on like um, pilot products based on APIs. And we have one which is quite successful called the, the signal invoice cover. Um, we have others. And so I don't need to convince them anymore now. Now it's more about executing, about creating those APIs, doing good design and having a simple way to share them. And that's our developer portal that we released this year. Thanks to the work of Dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really happy to, to work with you on that. Definitely, yes, thank you. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, um, it's fascinating the like making an actual mathematical model for your business case that's how how did you even start with that like so so imagine somebody's listening to this they're gearing up to become you in 10 years from now and so they're they're just trying to convince their boards that they need to do apis how do you even start building that business case? What what would you? How would you do it? Or how did you do it uh, when you did it? And how would you do it differently now? Um, <clears throat> maybe one thing. Um, it might be a bit special about myself. Um, <laughs> I have not been in IT back then. I have been in a business organization on project management and, and these kind of things. And I don't, didn't look that much at the technology. I mean, had to understand it, but that wasn't my focus. My focus was how can we bring this to customers and how can we make this useful and how, how can we make people want this? Um, and uh, yeah, then you, you just need to, to look at the products that you, you sell. In our case, it's credit insurance and bonding. Um, you're going to work for some other company with some other products. So the first thing you need to, to look at is how can partnering up with others make us earn more money? Is it cost reduction because we get more efficient? Is it new business because we create services that we could not create earlier? Is it customer retention because uh, people have it so simple to stick with us. Is it something else? That's the first question you need to ask. And once you, you think you have the, the, the answer to that question, of course, you need to, to go and try it out. So you need to try to build a first uh, proof of concept or first pilot with uh, one, two, three customers and get their feedback. and. and see if that actually proves what you thought it would be for them. And if they say they are very happy with what you did and that helps them uh, ease their life or reduce their own cost, 
then you take that story, of course, and bring it to your board and you tell them, okay, you see, this is what we did. Um, this is um, maybe my, my customer referential and they are super happy and we want to do more of that. So we need some funding probably. Um, and then you can go, hopefully. So um, I majored in mathematics in, uh, in college and um, actuarial science was, uh, you know, one of the directions that I could have gone in and it was absolutely not where my interests lie. Um, but I could, I hadn't really thought about an insurance company with, you know, actuarial expectations to go and put value on these things. So for customers who or, or for, for people listening to this podcast, you know, you should take some comfort that uh, actuaries have sat down and, uh, and put the numbers to this. And it makes sense to have, uh, have your digital, uh, have a digital strategy and to build an API program. Uh, to me, to that's, be honest, that's a huge Excel file. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was... Actually, and, and that was really a good thing. And I thank my company for that because they gave me some credit. I got a senior consultant to work with me on that. And I could base that on his experience. I wouldn't have had the idea to, to calculate the way that he showed me. And then the final result was, was quite good. Yeah, so that's, that's really neat. Um, go ahead, Krista. So, so how did it pan out? Like, I, I, I know every plan always, you know, never survives first contact with reality. So I'm sure that it was wildly off some way. But like, what what were the things where you were on the mark and, and, and uh, off the mark, uh, like looking backwards? Was, it, was that useful, the mathematical model? Should, should like someone who's doing this exercise now, so you said, do your POC, Go and go and get actual customer stories and tell it, yeah. tell this story to the boards. If 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 you're in a company, if somebody's in a company like Euler Hermes, who's really mathematical focused, and there is an expectation for a mathematical model, what what were the things that that worked and what were the things that didn't work in that model? Well, I I'm not sure that I would have to do the same today. Okay. Um, because back then, nobody knew what I was talking about. Um, API was just some IT stuff and some technical stuff. It didn't look fancy at all. And, well, how do you describe something that people can see? It's an interface between computers. So, well, is that cool? <laughs> okay. So, I, I sort of needed a tool to, to transport the message. And that tool was this Excel business case and, and uh, monetary gains that I could promise. I think today is storytelling about um, good, successful API programs I see on the market would potentially be even more important um, so that the board would see uh, a good example of a customer, uh, of a company that succeeded and I would say okay they are not dumb maybe mm -hmm. we should have that too and then you add some financial business case of course because you're not just investing just like that <coughs> it might be less theoretical than than we had to do it back then so uh, I'm I'm really um 
uh, thankful for your pioneering spirit because um, I, I think you were kind of on on the on the cutting edge. Some sometimes it it feels like the bleeding edge <laughs> of uh, of something new. You've been doing this for a long time and and been successful at it, and uh, you've you're creating. Um, the stories for other people to tell, which is really cool. And it, it's interesting to me that uh, when we've had these conversations with with other people in the API, you know, API visionaries, that they they talk about the importance of telling stories and uh, you know being able to uh, point out and and really um, explain this um, because it is new for many companies, uh, especially. A lot of more traditional uh, businesses that you know are more conservative. You know they they know that they need to go digital. They don't know uh, really what all that means. Um, they have some ideas about it, but uh, you know APIs. They're not really sure where the value is, and so I'm I'm happy to hear that you were able to land customers for the mere fact that you had good usable APIs uh, where your competitors did not. And I, I think that that is, uh, is more and more true every day right now. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm struggling to, um, you know, think of um, what industries might be the slowest. I know, I know for, in, for instance, a, a lot of companies, uh, are subject to uh, new data regulations that uh, <laughs> that cause them to uh, put an API program together. We, we've seen a lot of uh, people in the banking industry uh, mm-hmm. responding to uh, PSD2. We were talking about GDPR with uh, Medi. So uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting uh, to to hear about that. And um, you know, I just think that for uh, companies who haven't been uh, either forced to do it through regulation or it's not natural uh, in their way of uh, doing business, I, I think the kind of successes that you're able to demonstrate will be very valuable to them as they think about how to move forward. Uh, Christoph and I um, were talking about a, a book written by uh, Tom Siebel called um, digital transformation. And he talks about um, uh, kind of um, evolutionary apocalypses and then uh, new species, speciation that comes from that. And to me, um, uh, you know, he describes a bunch of things that are going on with cloud computing, big data, and mm. uh, artificial intelligence that are really kind of uh, going to separate, you know, the companies that are going to survive from uh, the dinosaurs that uh, may not survive and why you need to be in, be doing this. And then on top of that, then Corona comes. And so to me, it seems like it's more critical than ever for people to be trying to move in this area. So I agree. Uh, I mean, if you, if you look at the possibilities, you can have, you can be a startup or a small company and you still can provide like natural speech processing services and and artificial intelligence because you can just get them on the cloud platforms via API calls and imagine that like I don't know three years ago uh, mm-hmm. it was not possible 
or it didn't seem possible. And, and this is really drastically changing, of course, the, the competition in, in, in all kinds of areas, these kinds of possibilities, they are fantastic. Have uh, you seen instances where uh, you were able, some, or, or someone within Euler-Hermes was able to, or uh, through some, uh, some customer work, uh, somebody produce a product that uh, you hadn't even imagined that was enabled because the right APIs were available or some addition to an API uh, was going to enable something that was otherwise unanticipated and produce something new? Yes. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned single invoice cover earlier, which is a product that um, is fully API-based. So you integrate it in your ERP system, typically, like SAP or whatever you like to use, and you automatically get credit insurance cover as you need it, like pay, pay as you go. And this would not have been possible, of course, without that technology. Mm -hmm. That's um, neat. We do have other items where I don't want to go too much into details being worked on, but um, for example, integrating machine learning into the, the credit calculation algorithm is now something that becomes natural. And, and yeah, again, three, four years ago, it seemed a bit like rocket science. Mm. <laughs> so, so we're really strongly working with these technologies uh, and it really is helpful. So, so is Euler-Hermes, is, are you just like the, the API, you know, are you the future API darling? Like, like the, the SendGrids and the, the Twilio's that are really API driven and that are basically platforms for developers to do stuff. Are you are, like, I know that it's a niche that, that is a bit harder for people to understand. I remember the first time we called, you were explaining me like what credit insurance was so that I would really fully understand what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. But um, so, so it's maybe a little bit more niche than, than just regular payments and, and sending SMSs. But is this, is this a direction that you're seeing it going that you become like from you know, APIs become being an important part, like being being like the API company in the sector, maybe? Why not? Um, definitely, we, we are creating the technology to be that yeah. company. Uh, and we are, we're not doing that because we would have that strategy. We're doing this because anyway, we have to redesign our, our IT infrastructure. So, yeah. as uh, all as all insurance company, basically, we still have some legacy monoliths that we want to get rid of, and by by replacing them, we will directly create microservices on the cloud in AWS, for example. And uh, so, the the new services we build are from by design able to be exposed and to be reused by partners. Yeah. And we're also investing in the security system you need to, um, to, to have a very fine granular selection of what kind of API calls you authorize or not. And that again is, is very essential to create then this 
platform way of promoting these services. Yes. And definitely our customers just have the choice if they like our our portal, which is a visual representation of this, these features, or if they go directly with the API. Yeah. And the functionality is 100% there. And then again, as I said earlier, I think the, the, the desire to connect through APIs and automate processes and create efficiency gains is continuously growing, of course. And um, so who knows where we stand in five years from now. Uh, I expect there will be many more that, that use our API than, than we have even today. Yeah. We have quite a few. I think this brings us to one of my favorite recurring questions that I almost ask almost every host, uh, every guest is I'm, I'm also not a developer. I'm a bioengineer by education. So I, I, I come from also from a different world. So the, the way that I got into pro, like development into software was because uh, there was this software Drupal that had a visual interface where I could be a developer without writing a single line of code. And that was, that was incredibly empowering. And that got me hooked. And, uh, and I think, I feel, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, there, there are trends like that. There's the no code, low code kind of trends. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of happening in, in the background. A lot of people are pushing for it. But I feel that if we if really want to bring APIs to its full maturity, it has to become, you know, like magic that everybody can do rather than only the, the developer wizards. And uh, do, do you already see areas where in your business you see people like maybe from small companies where they don't have developers who can do an integration, like where you have like, uh, like cookie cutter or pre-made integrations with certain tools that you have available? Do you see some stuff love that, like that? Already appearing, or this is this is still on the horizon in your sector? Yes, we we do have a couple of tools. Um, for example, some SAP plugins uh, mm-hmm. they built in our uh, even our legacy SOAP APIs, and this is working fine. Um, I think we have one on Salesforce, if I'm not wrong. Um, and there's a number of more specialized um, tools that you can just purchase and you, you turn the switch and it's working. Um, now, you mentioned low-code, no-code, and uh, we also do some experimentation with low-code. Mm-hmm. And um, this is something that helps us internally to experiment extremely speedy <laughs> Because we, we just connect to the APIs that are already there now. We assemble some screens in, in low code mm-hmm. and and we have a number of services now that we, we tested with this. And once the product is proven to be attractive, then you will probably redesign it for more performance and uh, more performance and, and more stable um, code um, source, but uh, this this experimentation is brilliant. And we get this okay. through these, these new code toolings, and our customers can do the same. 
they can grab uh, sort of like a, a mendix or so and start experimenting and they can just easily now get our APIs from the developer portal. We generate the API key automatically and they can just a sandbox to play with and everything is there. And um, yes, they probably still need some developer kind of people to do that. But the 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 hurdle to get it was was much higher uh, years ago. Yeah, and and it's, it's continuously um, shrinking. We also um, I think we're gonna um, provide SDKs on our portal. We're working on this to even make it easier to 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 just connect. Once you're connected, you can experiment and you can make of it what you want, what you need. Yeah. Um, yes, this is continuously going to be easier and easier. And who knows what, what additional technologies the market will see in the next five years yeah. uh, to make it even, even simpler. <laughs> so one of the things that um, we've talked about is the value that it brought uh, Euler Hermes to have uh, your API program intact in, in and to be developing it. I'm wondering, you know, what do you hear from your customers about the value of your APIs for them? What is it that uh, that they're really happy about, or you know, how does this uh, enable their success? Um. I give you an example. Um, one sector that is uh, strongly requesting credit insurance coverage is the um, transportation and logistics. And um, it's very common that um, the truck won't leave the, hmm. the site if there's no coverage. Wow. And hmm. It means actually, if there is an order coming in for, for the goods, then the um, the uh, risk management team needs to check with the credit insurance company whether that risk can be covered, and that depends on the buying company on, on the on the financial stability of the company who buys those goods. So you check that in real time, and and that's where the API is great because they integrate in in their in their sales system, and as the order comes in automatically, they check the the credit insurance coverage. We say yes, and they say okay, truck, you can go, and he's that's leaving the site and delivering. That's that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Did you? Like this one, this API, this use of the API. Did you foresee this when you got started? Could you imagine this happening? We, in, in, in my team, we were not aware of this kind of behavior yeah. of the logistics company, so we could not imagine. Yeah. Um, we just thought about like a smoothing the process in, in their SAP system. Yeah. That this was really an additional thing, and we were like you. We said, "Wow, this is cool. This is awesome." Yeah. So I think this this is the key: is that you can imagine 
you can imagine a lot of things in your business case when you get started with APIs. But I think that the real value are going to be hidden gems like this that completely mm-hmm. transform businesses, that enable things that you couldn't even imagine that would become possible because of an API. And yeah, it, it's, it, of course, it's hard, it's hard to, to ask your manager to take a jump in the dark. But I think that telling stories like this about unexpected changes, transformations uh, of new, like a whole ranges of new business value that become available for organizations, uh, I think that's that's really important to to help people to set, like to get the confidence. Like, no, this is okay. This is going to be this is going to be good for us. <clears throat> this is not going to be a waste. Yeah, yeah. and maybe. In our case, um, there was this huge opportunity as we had to rework our IT infrastructure because it right. started in parts to be aging. And we took the right decision to do an API-centric approach. We right. could have probably done a different choice and then we would have ended up like, yes, formally where, where you have to create the API like a like a front end for your monolith. Yeah. And of course, you don't get the same efficiency gains. You probably even don't get the same performance. Um, you don't get the, the flexibility in evolutions of your service uh, because you have much more dependencies to respect. So if you have to rework your, your IT architecture, this is the model and you should do it. API centric. Yeah. And microservices, well, I, I've never talked about this on a podcast, but it's something that I've been obsessed with for a long time. Microservices versus monoliths versus macroservices. Because I think today people are, I, I think people are not questioning APIs today. I think one of the biggest questions like uh, last year or last couple of years was, okay, so should you just go for microservices straight or or what should you do? And a lot of people were like, oh yeah, microservices is, is the bomb. This is going to change everything. And it's going to be just like the good old times when APIs change everything. And now this is going to like make that same kind of gains. But then you start hearing some of mixed stories about uh, from people that went straight into microservices and then we're like, oh, whoa, 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 too much complexity. And suddenly they get overwhelmed by um, the complexity of the inter- interdependence and the orchestration of those microservices. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing some of that also? Or or like, I guess what, what you've done is you have probably have a microservice, like you went from a monolith to a microservice and now you're adding some microservices. That's, that's how can I imagine your architecture? Well, first of all, we have to replace the monolith. So we're not just adding features and that's good. And, and so to do that, we, we sort of cut slices out of the monolith and create those slices in new microservices. Mm-hmm. And when you say slices, the microservice is not defined by, um, by a sort of theoretical object modeling process where you would say, okay, I have a, a currency microservice mm-hmm. or uh, whatever. It's really, um, we, we cut down by business capability. 
So we, we said as a credit insurance company, we need to do risk assessment. We, we need to calculate a, a risk for a company's financial mm -hmm. stability. So there has to be an algorithm that does this in the best possible way. Um, and that can be easily cut into one microservice. So in fact, the, the, the microservice is anything but micro. It's, it's a huge thing. And there's yeah. a lot of complexity um, behind the scenes. But the service is very simple. And it's very straightforward and very limited to this core capability. Yeah. So probably you would rather call that macro service. But I'm not so sure about this definition. Yeah. But the good thing is it works well. Um, it has some challenges. Um, of course, the complexity is there. Uh, so you have to manage it, especially in the security domain. You have to do that right. Um, but I think if you give yourself the, the means to have the, the right government um, entities in place, um, governance, okay. yeah. And to, to, to control what you're building and to, to have automatic testing in place, to continuously check that it's still working the way it should. Um, if you have uh, automatic delivery processes in place to make sure that, that whatever you build new is not creating risk on what is already, because I think there is the danger in this complexity that you don't control it. And, it can be awkward, but, but if you manage that well, uh, I think you're, you're creating something that is extremely valuable, extremely evolutive, and uh, extremely sustainable also. And the last question from me, and then I don't know if Mark has one for it to wrap it up, but have you, because I can imagine that credits, like, like a risk analysis of a company, that that is something that's also valuable outside of your industry. Do you see people using your APIs already, not for the purpose that they were built for? Yes, yeah. actually. Um, Exciting. So we are part of Allianz, and as you know, Allianz is one huge worldwide group with a huge number of entities doing all kinds of insurance services. And actually the the grading mechanism that we have is something that we can provide on a global scale, which is very sophisticated because that's, it's the core of our product. And we found it to be super valuable for other entities to, to use grading in other insurance products. So, and, and they just plug it to our, to our API. It's working and it's, yeah. It's, Really great value for them. You sell this already on the portal? Um, this one I don't have it on the portal yet. We will have it because it's also something that we provide to our customers. Yeah. I'm, I don't really expect that you can purchase it on the portal if you're not an insurance customer because you are not yeah. an information agency and uh, so you, it's not our goal. I would say, but uh, if you are uh, an insured customer of Shooter Hermes, yeah. then you can get this feature uh -huh. and you can even 
further improve your, your sales and distribution process. You can just link that in. You have a new prospect, you, you get that information, you know, okay, roughly that sounds good. Uh, I want to do business with them, so I request for a coverage of X amount to get it, and, and you're good to go. So. I, but that's maybe, that's a discussion we should have offline. I would, yeah, no, let's have a discussion offline. <laughs> the wheels are spinning. Um, no, this, this is super fascinating. Very, very insightful. I, I like, um, this is like a proper, you know, how do you do the business case for an API program? Um, which is interesting. Like the, I love the origin stories, especially of like, I think because you've been there so long in this one, one place, it gives you so much more insight in, and like, you know, the whole story of, of how, where, where does it come from and how does it evolve? And that's incredibly valuable. I think, um, I think also it gives you much more insights that, 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 that can help the company to, to grow. And yeah, very, very, very good. Love, love, love this conversation. Thank you for, for, for coming on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, again, thanks, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation, as always. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, uh, every day, if I'm not careful, I learn something new. And today, already, it's uh, still morning for me, and I've learned lots of new things. Mm -hmm. So it's already yeah. been a successful day for me. And uh, I, I want to thank you, Sophie, for uh, coming on to our podcast and uh, putting yourself out there and uh, answering these questions on the fly for our audience. And uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. And um, I, I want to remind our listeners uh, to check the show notes for the URLs uh, that we talked about and uh, go check out all of the neat stuff at, uh, at Euler Hermes. There are also some really good blog posts that I saw about um, – you know, the building of the developer portal. And there's some great storytelling there as well. So uh, I think you've uh, provided a lot of uh, really useful information to people in other industries uh, about how they can look and, and see the kind of transfer transformation that can happen. So uh, thank you for, uh, for joining us and, and doing that. Thank you guys for this podcast. And uh, see you soon. Yep. All right. Uh, so thanks to our audience and um, our production staff. And if you have any comments or feedback, uh, please send it to us. Uh, you can find links to that in uh, the show notes. And um, I guess we'll call this a wrap. And thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the API Resilience Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please follow us to hear our latest episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you have any comments or feedback you would like to share, please drop us an email at podcasts at Until next time, we wish you well and hope you find success in all your endeavors.